are in week number six of a series that we've been in called Dear Church, and we've been looking at these seven letters that Jesus wrote to seven different churches in Revelation, and you can find those for yourself if you haven't been able to be here for a few weeks, and if you want to go back and look, you can find them in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and they are a little bit confusing. There's some language that we wouldn't necessarily use today, and there's some cultural references that we wouldn't necessarily understand, so we've been trying to just put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can grab a hold of something and learn and grow and change, and that is our goal for us today as we look at this church called, uh, in a town called Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but ancient Philadelphia. And the beautiful thing about this church is different than other churches that this letters are written to, is that it was just an amazing, amazing church. This church was doing everything right. You'll notice that in all of these letters, there's kind of a common theme that goes. He tells them something they're doing good, and then he tells them something they're not doing good, and here's the consequences if you keep doing that, but here's the benefit if you'll change. The church in Philadelphia doesn't have that. It is just, you can just, as you read it, you can just hear this outpouring from Jesus to this church. You are doing awesome. Everything that you're doing is great, and he's just, you can just hear the, the almost like a, a father that's so proud of his son or a mother that's so proud of her daughter, just, wow, everything you're doing is great. And so he gives them these accolades of saying, wow, it's just great. And so there's things that we can learn from that, both individually and corporately. And so today we're going to ask the question, what type of church does God bless? What, what is that church that God blesses, not just as a group of people gathered as a church that we happen to call Gateway Fellowship, but in your life, because here's what you may or may not know, this building is not special at all, not even a little bit. It's just concrete and some steel, some sheetrock, some, you know, wiring. It's just a, a building. This place is not special. It's just a place where people gather. And so sometimes I laugh because people come in if I'm doing a wedding or a funeral and they're not really accustomed to church things. And sometimes they joke and I love it. They say, man, I've got to be careful what I say. I'm in church now. Or man, am I going to get struck by lightning if I come in the church? Maybe you felt that way at different times. Here's good news just to ease all of your fears. This place is not holy. This place isn't special. This is just a, it's just a building. It's just, we could do this anywhere because what happened when Jesus died and rose from the dead is he changed it all there was a place that people would go and meet with God at a place but when Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on the cross he says you now that that place that you went because I was at the place I now live in you the apostle Paul said it this way in first Corinthians man don't you know that you yourselves so we're all in that together were the temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Before Jesus, absolutely, there was a place that you had to go to. If I want to meet with God, I have to go to a place at a time, and God will be there. Thanks be to God. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, and God is inside of me. And so, yes, we want to ask the question today. As a, as a gathering, the, the word for it in the New Testament is ecclesia, which is a gathering, a group of people. How can we be, as a corporate body, a church that God can bless? But more importantly than that is how can you be a church that God can bless? How can you live in such a way that, 
the church can be blessed through you and God can be a blessing to you. And so today we're going to answer that exact question. How can we become a church that God blesses? If you want to follow along today, you can go to todayssermon.com on your phone. If you have a printed Bible, you can just go to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read the entire letter, but we're really just going to be focused on verses number 7 and 8. There's lots of wonderful things, but in verses 7 and 8, we're given four things that they have done extraordinarily well, that if we take those into our life, we can also be a church corporately that God blesses, and you can be a person that God blesses. And so here is the reading today, first, uh, first starting in verse number 7, chapter number 3, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are in the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come onto the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will be able to take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. And then he ends it the same way that every other letter has been ended. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we had the opportunity to grow and to change and to be challenged and to be encouraged. So I'm praying that as we are diving into this letter, that we as your church individually and we as your church corporately would grow and become more and more like your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen, amen. And so four things that we find in those first few verses that if we want to be a church corporately, if you want to be a person that God is able to bless, how do we be like the church in Philadelphia? Here's the first one is that honors, the church that God blesses honors the holiness of God. It started off in verse number seven. These are the ones of him who is holy and true. In other words, if we, we have to start, and it's kind of linear, that, that the first thing has to be the first thing, and then we can go to the second, then we can go to the third, then we can go to the fourth. But before we get this one, nothing else matters because we have to recognize corporately, you have to recognize individually, everything about God is right. Everything about God is true. And the way that you think and the way that I think about God informs every other area of my life, that how we understand God, and when you think God, what you think about really matters. And the church in Philadelphia is introduced by saying, this, I'm the one who's right. I'm the one who's true. I'm the one that has all the answers. And so the question that we have to wrestle with before we can go to any other place is how do you see God? How do you see God? For, for some people, and I've, I've been guilty of this, is sometimes I've seen God as just the 911 operator 
that I call him when I'm needing something, when I'm in trouble, when everything has kind of hit the fan, God to the rescue. But when life is smooth and no problems, God is kind of on the back shelf. And that informs the way that we live, if that's how we think of God. If, if I think about God as just a wish granter, that he's just the one that's supposed to give me things and help me with this stuff and answer this prayer, and he's kind of this genie in the bottle, that informs the way that I live the rest of my life. For some people, and this is probably based on how you grew up, for some people, when they think about God as he's out to get me, he's just mean, He's just punishing people, and he's got his eye, and he's kind of like the Santa Claus. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout because God's coming to get you. And if that's the way that you think about God, isn't it true that that informs the way that you perceive God? For some of it's a, well, I just think of God as a fun stealer, that everything that I want to do, God doesn't want me to do. And so, man, I'll, I guess I'll do it if I have to, but he's just out to, to ruin my fun. My kids think of me sometimes as a fun stealer. Can anybody relate to that? That my kids look at me and they just think, well, there's the guy that's out to ruin my life. And sometimes that may be exactly the case, but if you think about God that way, well, that's gonna inform how you interact with God. But the church in Philadelphia is introduced and they have clearly held in honor God at his core is holy, and it's the holiness of God that informs and determines every other thing that I think about God. In the Old Testament, Samuel said it this way, there is no one holy like the Lord. There's lots of other people that are good at things. There's lots of other people that have good ideas, but there's no one. He stands on his own in holiness. There's no one holy like the God. There's, there's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. A.W. Tozer was a great theologian and an author and just a wonderful, wonderful man. You can read some of his books. He said it this way, holy is the way God is. It's just in his nature. There, there's no part of him that isn't holy. There's no part of him that hasn't ever been holy. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is that standard. And so if I'm going to be a person that God blesses, if we are going to be a church that God blesses, before I go anywhere else, I have to remember God is the standard, not me. That God is the one that I shape my life to, not me shaping God to what I think is right in the moment. I'm reminded when I remember and when I'm steadfast in that God is holy, at the same time I'm reminded that I'm not holy. And I might have some ideas, but if there's a gap between what I think and what I want and what God thinks and what God wants, if there is a gap there because of the holiness of God, I'm going to go his direction. I'm going to shape my life to him, not try to force him into doing what I want. And before we get anywhere else, we have to recognize God is holy as long as I get to be the pastor of this church, we will hold high the holiness of God, that what God says is the way that we go, that God's direction is the way that we will go. And in my own life, I have to remember, because I've got some ideas. I've got some ways that I think things would work. I see culture around me, and I think, well, maybe that is a good idea, and maybe that is a sign that we should go that direction. But I have to bring myself back to saying, What's God's standard? If it's true that God really it is the author of all creation, 
And if it's true that I am created for God's glory, and if it's true that Jesus came and lived in sinless life and died and suffered on my behalf, then it is the holiness of God that I shape myself to, not trying to get God to shape what I want. And then, because of the holiness of God, the church is able to move on to that second kind of linear step is the church that God blesses accepts the invitation of God. And so we honor the holiness of God, that God is the standard, God is the righteous one, God is the one that's going to inform what I do and how I live, and because of that, I'm also able to accept that invitation of God. Because when I see God as holy, what also I see is how far I fall short. I see that there is that huge gap between who God is and where I am, and that there is no amount of good things that I can do. There's no amount of church services I can attend and all the different good things, quote unquote, that I do to close that gap between God's holiness and my sinfulness. That there has to be a bridge of someone else that is better than me. Revelation 3, verse 8, he says it this way, I have placed before you an open door, and, and for us, we think, I don't, man, what, is, what does that mean, and how does that relate to us? But he says, no, I've, I've given you an open door that no one can shut. Here's what's going on contextually here, is that this was just a really, really small church in Philadelphia, and there was a large Jewish contingent there. And when Jewish people converted to Christianity, they had been excommunicated from the synagogue, the door had literally been shut on them because the Jewish people thought this is just this cult, this is this thing that's trying to wreck Judaism, we do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they kicked these guys out and closed the door on them, and so Jesus recognizing this, he says, great news, you've been kicked out of here, but I've got a door that's wide open to you, and I'm the one that's able to open it, and I'm the one that's able to shut it, and to you, the invitation is that the door is wide open. And so what Jesus says to this church in Philadelphia, and what Jesus says to, this, to, to our church and to me individually is there's, there's some doors, yes, if we follow Jesus into holiness, there is some doors that may be closed to you. You might have some people that move away from you and reject you, but God opens up an invitation to be in relationship with him, and it's always open that you are invited, that I'm the only one that can open it, and I'm the only one that can shut it, and I have opened it up for you. And so the good news for you, if you're exploring faith or you're wrestling with what does Jesus want for my life, or you think about your history and your past and you think, man, does God want anything to do with me? And have I screwed it up too much? And have I gone too far away? Great news for you from Revelation is that Jesus has opened the door to God and no one can shut it on you that your past can't shut it on you, that what other people say about you can't shut it on you, the mistakes that you've made can't shut it on you, that there is a door that is open to God and you are invited to walk through it. The only thing, the only thing that can keep you from walking through that door is you. You can keep yourself from walking through that door, but your ex can't and your past can and the people that don't like you can't. You are invited to where God is. We're going to look at this in more detail next week, but in the very next letter, Jesus says this. Maybe you've heard this before. Here I am. I stand at the door, the door of your life. And what does he do? He, 
He knocks. He's not reminding you of how bad you are. He's not reminding you of how often you've screwed up. He's just knocking. He's just saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready, and I want to come in. And if anyone, here's what a word. If, not the good behaviors, not the good church attenders, not the ones that do all the right things. No, if, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what will I do? I'll, I'll come in and not reject them and not remind them of how bad they are. No, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat with that person and they with me. See, the invitation from God to us is the invitation to relationship, not, not to a religion, not to a list of do's and, and don'ts, not to a list of thou shalt and thou shalt not. It's the invitation from God to humanity. I just want to be in relationship with you. I want to sit down and I want to be connected with you. And yeah, there's some things about your life that we're going to change. We're going to actually look at here in a second. There's some habits that you have that we want to move away from, but the starting place is I just want to be connected to you. I want to be in relationship with you. And so great news for you this morning, if you're in the room or if you're watching online, if you have felt like you are held at an arm's length from God because of your past or because what other people have said, that's other people's opinion. That's not God's opinion. God's opinion is there's an open door and you can walk through it that there is an invitation for you to be in a relationship with a God who, yes, is holy even though we're not, but he wants to be connected with you. How does God bless a church? Well, we honor the holiness of God, and then we walk through that door. We accept the invitation of God, and then we rely on the strength of God, that I'm not going to try to do this life on my own. Because as, as Christians, as people, as parents, as wives, as husbands, as employees, whatever your life looks like, you face daily challenges. You face these daily battles. And internally, maybe you face the battle of, I'm just fighting for personal integrity. I know the direction I should go, but there's all these temptations and there's all these things that try to pull me back. And so I'm just, I wake up every day and there's this fight. For some of us, it's, it's external. That I wake up every day and I'm just doing the best I can to raise some kids that move in the right direction and that love God. I'm fighting the battle of saying, I want to provide for my family. I want to be the kind of person that, that honors God and honors my wife or honors my husband. So we face all of these battles. And the great news is that God invites us not to just salvation, but also his strength as we walk through it. That we don't just receive God's salvation as a gift and then say, okay, God, the rest of my life, I'm going to do it on my own and watch how good I do. And I'm so self-disciplined and I've got so much uh, going for me that I can do it on my own. No, the church that God blesses, they rely on the strength of God. Here's what it said in verse number eight. I know your deeds. I've seen, I, uh, I have placed before you an open door that nobody can shut. I know that you have a little strength. And so, man, whatever strength that you have, God knows that it's not that much. God knows that you're not the most disciplined. God knows that you don't have it all together. God knows that you are fight and, and struggle with things. And God, that's great. Paul the Apostle, we don't have it on the screen, but Paul the Apostle, he was praying and struggling with some things. He called it a thorn in his flesh. We're not exactly sure what it was. And he says, three different times I pleaded for God, like begged, God, please take this away. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that. But here's what I'll do instead. That my grace is sufficient for you. That my strength works best 
in weakness. And so Paul began to go, he, he, he changed his mindset. And he said, I'm gonna, instead, I'm gonna boast all the more about my weaknesses because where I am weak, God is strong. And so what is a church that God blesses? Well, we recognize, God, I, I can't live this life that you've called me to on my own. I need your strength, I need your power, I need your ability. I can't get out of this habit, I can't move away from this addiction, I can't be patient, it's hard for me to forgive, whatever it is. I rely on God's strength. Zechariah chapter four, verse six says, he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, and you can just put your name right there. Not by might, not by power, not by your bank account, not by your education, not by the degrees that you have, not by what other people say about you, not by what everybody else thinks about you. No, by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So don't make the mistake that so many people make of, receiving the gift of salvation and then trying your best to live this Christian life on your own power, you'll just end up so frustrated. You'll just end up, I cannot do it. I can't get away from this. And I do good for a week and then I fall back. If you get caught in that cycle, here's great news for you. Just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath and recognize it's God's strength working in me to accomplish what he's called me to do. Jesus himself said it, this way, remain in me. How do I live this Christian life? Do I just attend church sometimes? No, remain. Some translations say abide. Again, it's the relationship. I wanna, I'm here at the door, I'm knocking. If anybody comes in and hears my voice and opens the door, I wanna come and sit with them. I just wanna be connected to them. I just wanna have that relationship with them. And so Jesus says, don't let a, a relationship just be for an hour on Sundays. No, remain in me. When you wake up tomorrow and you know you're gonna face that person at work that just drives you crazy, or you're facing that thing that you know is just overwhelming you and is just causing you to lose sleep at night and giving you ulcers, remain in me. And also, I'm gonna remain in you. No, no branch, and that's us. He's given us an illustration. We're the branch. No branch can bear fruit by itself. In other words, you can't live a Christian life on your own. You cannot, the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, self-control. You cannot do that on your own. You receive that fruit by not trying harder, but just by being connected. You can't do it. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he makes it really, really clear in case we're confused. I I'm the one that's the vine. You get your life from me, not the other way around. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if you'll just remain in me, like if you'll just kind of take a deep breath and relax, if you'll just wake up every day and say, God, I am seeing that person today, and I'll just be honest with you, I don't like them at all. Anybody have anybody like that in your life? I mean, you know, don't let me be the only one telling the truth on a church Sunday morning. You know, we got some people in our life that drives you. Isn't it true that you've got some people in your life that their spiritual gift is driving you crazy? Some of you are sitting next to them this morning, and that's fine, you know, that's all right. But we just say, man, I'm just waking up every day. God, I need your strength today. I can't do this on my own. If I try to do this on my own, I'm gonna lose my patience. If I try to do this on my own, I'm gonna lose my temper. 
If I try to do this on my own, I'm gonna get caught back in the habit. If I try to do this on my own, I'm gonna get caught back into that addiction. And so I am just relying on you and you alone. I am in you, you are in me, and I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I need some peace, and I need some patience, and I need some self-control, and I really need some love when I go into this office. And how do I get that? Not by trying harder. It's by remaining more. And there is a huge difference between trying harder and remaining more. I'm just going to let God's strength work within me. If you remain in me and I knew, what's gonna happen in your life? Well, you're gonna bear not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit, and then he just closes it, just makes it really clear, apart from me, and you, some of us have tried it, right? Apart from me, you can't do it. Apart, apart from God, this life is so frustrating. And apart from God trying to live the way that God wants you to live, it's, you can't do it. And it's not a you thing, it's just a, a thing thing, is that I, I, I cannot be self-disciplined enough to do what God calls me to do. And I cannot grit my teeth enough to do what God wants me to do. It's spirit-enabled living. It's remaining in him. And so how, do, how does God bless a church? How does God bless an individual that's part of a church? Well, we honor the holiness of God, and then we accept the invitation of God. We live out and accept the strength of God. And then here's the last one we'll be done for the day is that we live out the word of God, that I, he's holy and yet he's still invited me in. All the things that he's called me to do, I can't do it on my own, and so I'm getting his strength, and it's his strength that enables me to live this out because as we read the scripture and as we take God seriously, as we take God for, uh, uh, as a holy God that has called us to live a certain way, there is right and there is wrong. There is moral and immoral. There is sin and there's righteousness, and God calls us, here's the way to live, here's the way to think, here's the way to talk, here's the way to align your heart, and I do that not in my own strength, but we just said it, I get the gift of the Spirit of God that gives me strength, and that enables me to live out what he's called me to live out. Here's at the end of verse number eight. I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word. I know that you've just got this little puny strength, and man, we're there, right? And yet, you've kept my word. You've not denied my name. See, our life is evidence of the work of God in us, is that we should be able to look at our life as we're following Jesus and recognizing his holiness and getting his strength. We should be able to look back on our life and see there's some changes that there are some things that I did that I don't do anymore. There are some things that I don't do that I used to do. There is evidence of God's work in my life. Not, again, we've talked about it so often, not so that God will love me. I'm not doing it in an effort to say, God, look at me, don't you love me now? Look at how good I did. But it's in response to that invitation. God, you loved me when I didn't do anything for you. You gave yourself for me when I couldn't give anything back to you. And now as a response to that, I'm going to live because I believe that you're holy and I've accepted your relation, invitation to relationship. I'm going to live differently. Your spirit enabling me to do it. Again, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says, therefore, if anyone, uh, therefore everyone who hears, that's what we're doing this morning, we're hearing words of mine, and then here's the part that sometimes people miss, puts them in to practice. You see, just hearing 
makes no difference whatsoever. You could be, I could be a perfect church attender and never have God's word and God's life working in my life because it is in the doing that matters. Hearing isn't that helpful. It's in the practice. Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the wind, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall. Not because it heard things that are true, it did something with what it heard. It didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Listen, if you want there to be a difference in your life, and if you want God to show up in your world, you have to do these things. You can't just know things. It's not about memorizing a prayer or being able to say all of these things. No, it's, it's in the doing that makes the difference. We, we cannot get in, caught into the trap of saying, hey, I heard what Jesus said, now I'm good. I heard the words of scripture and so now I'm good. I went every week to hear his teaching. I went and, and listened and really leaned in. I'm better because of it. No, you're not. You're not better because you're here today. You're, you're not better because you heard something today. The only thing that will make what we did today matter is this, when you leave here, you do something with it, that you put it into practice. And we often, and I'm guilty of this, we, we, we rate our spirituality by, did I go to church this week? Yes, I did. Sticker on the sticker chart. That's not how God does it, though. God sees us by what we do. It's not about, did I attend mass every day? Did I, I never miss church? I never miss a Bible study? I mean, those are good. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. But God is not. What God values and honors is, what did you do with what you heard? What, how did you put it into practice? Being a faithful attender is great for me, but it is not God's primary goal for your life. He goes on and he says this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, like you were an awesome church attender. I mean, you never missed, never missed. But you don't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man. Well, they built their house on the sand and that same storm came. The same streams rose, that same wind blew. And a beat against that house that knew all of the same things as the other guy, but they didn't do anything with it. What happened? Well, it it fell with a great crash. It is application, application, application that makes all the difference. Go to that next slide for me there, Keith. Application is what makes all the difference. Un unapplied truth. If, if you believe everything in here and don't ever apply it in here, well, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, you could call it like, it's like a, a can of paint. A can of paint is only helpful when it goes on the walls. I mean, you can have a can of paint sitting at your house and it's not making any difference in the world. That's, the, that's what Jesus is saying, is that you can know all the things, but until it gets into your life and is part of your life, well, that doesn't make any difference. We wanna be a church that God blesses. You want to be a person that God blesses. How do we do it? Well, according to the church in Philadelphia, we, we honor the holiness of God, we accept the invitation of God, we rely on the strength of God, and we live out the word of God. And he gives us a reward for that. And the language is confusing, and we wouldn't necessarily understand it, but I'm gonna try to give you a little context to say, here's what he says. If we were to do that, what is the blessing? The blessing is not money. 
The blessing is not fame and fortune and influence. That's not what God blesses you with. God blesses you instead to the one who's victorious, the one who does all of those things. I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I'll write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them a new name. That's confusing, and that's what, it, what in the world is talking about. Let me just really quickly, really quickly help you understand. This little church in Philadelphia was famous for, not just the church, but the city, was famous for earthquakes. They had all these earthquakes, and some people were so scared of these earthquakes that every single night, they would pack up their things, would go out into the wilderness, spend the night in the wilderness just in case there was an earthquake, and their life was just constant coming and going, leaving and coming back, and packing up and, and coming back. And so Jesus is saying to this group, listen, hey, you don't have to wander anymore. That you, you've been shut out of the synagogue, and I know there's that fear of coming and going, and as a building, you're gonna fall on top of me, but I'm gonna make you a pillar that you don't have to come and go anymore. You can be steadfast. You can find stability in me. And these pillars that he's talking about, they'd go through the, the temples and they'd see all of these beautiful pillars. And you can go to the, the, this area now and you can see ruins and yet the pillars remain. And these pillars are not holding the building up. They're just, I don't know how to say it. They're, they're reflecting the glory of the builder that the pillars are not a foundational piece because we're not a foundational piece of God's story. We're just, we just reflect the glory of the builder. And so Jesus is saying to this church, he's saying to us, he's saying to, to our church, and there's some stability when we recognize his holiness, accept his invitation, rely on his strength and live out his word. There, there is some stability that can come in your life and your life will begin to reflect the builder who is me and that we would be able to be a people that others look at and say look at what God has done through a life that's surrendered to him look at what God has done through a life that man on the outside isn't that great and on the outside they don't have the most money and they're not the most educated and they came from a bad background but look at what God has done through a life that's surrendered to him and then Jesus ends the letter the same way that he ends all of them do something with what you've heard. Do something. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so that's your challenge this morning. That's our challenge as an ecclesia, as a, as a gathering. What do we do with what we've heard? If we were gonna put it all in two sentences, here's what it would be, and then we'll be done for the day. God is holy, and you're invited into a relationship with him. God's strength enables you to live out what he's called you to do. What do you do with that? That's your challenge for the week. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've preserved it for all of this time for us to be challenged with and to grow from. And so Lord, I am praying this morning for those that are in the room, for those watching online, that we would be a body of believers, that we would be individuals that position ourselves in such a way that we can be blessed by you that we would recognize you are the standard and not us. You're the one that we shape our lives to, not trying to shape you to our life and our thoughts. We're so grateful for the invitation that you've given us that we can be in relationship with you. Lord, I'm praying that those that might be here or watching that have not walked through that door, that something has stopped them. Maybe it's their past or what other people have said or bad decisions, whatever it is, that they would 
walk through the door that you have opened so wide for them. Lord, I'm praying that we would receive your strength this week. It's available to us. Would you help us to tap into it? Some of us have a difficult week coming up. There's busyness, and we've got family coming in, and we don't always get along with our family, and there's already tension kind of boiling inside of us. Lord, we need your strength this week. And Lord, we desire to live out what you've called us to live out. That as we remain in you, that our life would bear the fruit that you have for us. And Lord, we don't want to just be people that hear and agree, but we want to hear and do. Help us with that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.